Welcome to the Women Living Healthy podcast, where we empower and inspire women along her self-care journey, her spiritual path, and her wellness transformations. Join us weekly and begin embodying your true essence and authenticity. Become your very own wellness expert and embrace a life filled with good health, vitality, abundance, and purpose. Welcome back, listeners. This is Dr. K, your host, and thank you for tuning in with me today for this bonus episode. So today's bonus episode is really in response to a lot of questions that I have been getting in terms of this phenomena of intermittent fasting or IF. So a lot of people are wanting just to know the ins and outs, the pros and cons, and what some of the research is behind it. And so I want to first and foremost say that intermittent fasting is, is not new, but it's really been trending here in the Western cultures, I think, for the last decade, and it's really taken off within the last three or four years. And um, and so I really will say that anything that is trendy, that it becomes mainstream when the right people adopt it, right? And so, but it's now that Western science has really just finally caught up to what our ancient cultures and numerous religions and like Eastern practices have intuitively known and practiced for centuries, you know, because they knew and it was well regarded to, to benefit not only the body, but the mind and the spirit as well. You know, way before modern science came along and way before this intermittent fasting became one of the world's most popular health and fitness and weight loss trends. And so, but uh, intermittent fasting is not a diet. So it's not this, you know, fad diet or this on and off type of diet. It it really is a lifestyle. It should be something that's done consistently and uh, for it really, for one to really reap the benefits of it. And so, but the research behind intermittent fasting, and I've practiced it myself, is very promising, you know, and especially for that of weight loss and decreasing insulin resistance, reducing the risk of type 2 diabetes and heart disease and so forth. And so I'm going to talk about the benefits today. And um, but, you know, really think of it as this mind, body, spirit approach. And so whether one initially goes into it for the intention of weight loss, which many people do, um, or even that of disease prevention, they soon realize that they also reap some of the unintended benefits of better sleep, you know, more energy, more focus, more mental clarity, healthier relationships, you know, increased self-esteem, joy and happiness, and the list can go on. And so, but I think, again, perhaps one of the reasons anything becomes trendy is that simple, simply, we want something that's going to work. And we want something that is practical. And sometimes we just want to try something different that really does work for us. And so many of us, you know, engage in intermittent fasting, especially during the night when we're sleeping. And we just have not consciously known or termed that we're intermittent fasting, right? It hasn't connected, but that's what we're actually already doing. And so, you know, intermittent fasting can simply be made a conscious and consistent practice. And you can start by just extending your time of fasting at night each day. So, you know, taking in your latest meal earlier during the day and perhaps fasting for 16 hours until the next morning or what have you. There's a lot of flexibility. And that's the thing with intermittent fasting is very flexible. It's simple. And guess what? It's free. (laughs) So simply put. Intermittent fasting is this eating pattern where there are just prescribed spaces of time between our daily meals where we are not eating food, so we're fasting, we're not consuming calories, and so it is simply just involves this alternating cycles of fasting, not eating and eating. And so, you know, we are either in one state or the other, right? And so, but there are many different types of intermittent fasting methods that's not talked a lot about, but um 
And But until you go digging into the research, and of course, we've always known about just, you know, the, the religious fasting, periodic fasting, but there's also alternate day fasting, there's modified alternate day fasting, and then there is time restricted feeding. And so that's what I'm really, this is going to, this is going to be the basis of what I'm talking about today in terms of intermittent fasting. And so that really, what we commonly see as the recommended intermittent fasting time restricted period is this 16 to 8 cycle. And so basically this has come about because a lot of research has shown that giving our bodies that time for rest and rest- restoration at the cell level really does benefit our overall health and well-being. So a lot of people do engage in this 16 to 8 cycle, which basically simply means that we're fasting for 16 hours, and then we have this eight-hour eating window, right? So it's 16 hours of rest and restoration for our cells, our digestive system, our pancreas, and then we have eight hours of well-spaced time for meal intake, right? But I really want to say that even with this 16-8 cycle, This is not a one-size-fits-all approach, and it doesn't work for everybody because it didn't work for me, actually. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit today, and it doesn't work for a lot of people because we're all different, right? And you have to do what's best for you. We all have different chemical, biological, genetic, and digestive makeups, right? And so we're going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to jump in to talk about the ins and outs of intermittent fasting, who it's for and who it's not for, and simple ways that you can get started. So when we really think about making intermittent fasting a lifestyle, because it's not a quick fix and it's not a fad diet, it's really that we want to make this intention of really changing our relationship with food for our, you know, better health and wellness overall. And so, but when we really think about a lot of the the chronic ailments that are plaguing our nation of obesity and heart disease and type 2 diabetes, then... A lot of this, about 80% of our health problems come from the types of food we eat, how much we eat, and how often we eat, ladies. And when we think about the the staggering statistics, like two-thirds of U.S. women between the ages of 40 to 59 are actually overweight, and more than 50% of us as U.S. women are obese. And so as Americans, we have been conditioned with this standardized American diet of consuming way more calories than what the body needs physiologically. And so we've been accustomed to eating these three large meals a day and snacking in between all day, all night, and eating our largest meal at dinner. And, you know, and really, this has just become out of habit. We are creatures of habit. And so but I think in many ways, we just have not been educated to these concepts of what really is happening at the cell level when we overindulge, and we, you know, take in more than what the body physiologically needs. And so it really becomes to this point that, you know, one of the best ways to honor yourself is to give your body a break. And we can do that through intermittent fasting. And so meal timing and how frequently we eat is absolutely crucial. And so when we are eating way more frequently than we need to, then we tax our bodies. We tax specifically that of our pancreas and that of our digestive system to the point that they become dysregulated. And when they can't function, then we don't purify and detox. We can't move out, you know, the bad and move in the good. And, um, 
So we're constantly just adding toxic elements to our body as we're eating and eating constantly all day and all night. And so the body and these systems, our digestive systems become overloaded and it becomes overloaded all the way down to the cell level. And this is where a lot of inflammation, you know, hormonal imbalances like excessive fat storage and obesity that leads to insulin resistance that therefore leads to type 2 diabetes, heart disease, you know, this long chain. I mean, this is how it happens, right? It starts at the cell level. And so, but not to go too much into the science of it, but I just want to kind of give you an explanation of what happens when we eat. So when we eat, the pancreas secretes insulin. It releases insulin in order to move the sugar and the energy from the food that we eat into our cells. So the cells can then therefore do its metabolic processes and so forth. And, um, but what happens is that we store the bulk of this sugar and and energy within our skeletal muscle and and the liver, right? And um, but the problem, and that's okay. But the problem is that when we exceed these storage sites by eating constantly all day and all night, then all of this that we're ingesting it gets turned into fat, right? And so sugar, carbs. All of this gets turned into fat because our bodies have not had time to rest and digest. And um, so that's what we're doing with intermittent fasting is we're giving our bodies and our digestive system a chance to rest. And so when we are fasting, then therefore we reduce the workload on our pancreas and our digestive system. The insulin levels become lower. And so it's insulin that actually converts the sugar and carbs into fat. So the lower the insulin levels, the less fat we have, right? And um, the less storage of unhealthy fat. And so, and so when we give our bodies time to rest, we give our bodies time to purify and detox at the cell level. So we, we don't have this, you know, issue of inflammation that begins to start this chain of reaction that leads to a lot of, you know, illness and disease, right? And, um, and so but we basically want to realize, again, that each and every one of us are different. And when we look at it from an Ayurvedic perspective, some body types can go longer without food than others because our digestive systems are different. We have different doshas or chemical makeups. I'm not going to go too much into that now. But I just want to say that you have to do what's best for your body. You have to become in tune with your own unique body. And But our bodies have been, you know, made and designed to go without food for actually long periods of time. We've just been conditioned to think we have to eat all the time, perhaps because we think that we're going to go into a famine or whatever or just out of cultural you know, um, habit. And so, but um, one of the questions that I want to answer now is that a lot of people question, well, what is the difference between this calorie-restricted diet and intermittent fasting? And so we know that calorie-restricted diets, like, they don't work often, right? And for the most part. And so, but the difference is that with calorie-restricted diets, we are intentionally reducing our daily energy or caloric intake um, by 20 to 40%, Right. And um, but there's no restriction of meal times with a calorie restricted diet. So it really just goes back and defeats what I just mentioned of what we need to do in giving our body a break from food. So with calorie restricted diets, you can still be eating all day and all night without giving your body or your pancreas and your digestive system a break. And so that is the problem. And so if we're not allowing at least 12 hours in between our meals, <clears throat> then we're not allowing our body to digest fat. And so the body's just going to store it, right? And so that's the problem that we come into. And um, so another question that I commonly get is, what is the type of food that we do need to eat 
especially when we come off our fast so we can maintain until we have our eating time again so we don't fall victim into this hunger, <laughs> you know, as being the culprit of why we break our fast, right? So I'm going to talk about that. But I, I do want to mention that anytime you're fasting, make sure that you're staying very well hydrated. And it's from the general consensus that drinking filtered water or, you know, water, uh, plain coffee, or even plain tea with no calories, typically that won't be considered breaking your fast, okay? But most importantly, please, please, please stay well hydrated so you don't get um, dehydrated. And um, so what are some foods that we can eat, right? And um, what is the importance of eating the right foods so we don't fall victim to hunger? (laughs) All right. So when we, I just want to say first, let's talk about this at the cell level, because when we are truly hungry physiologically at the cell level, then it means that our body needs a particular nutrient for it to survive, right? And so you can think of your body when it needs more fluids, we become thirsty, Or you have an anemic who craves ice or pica, you know, because they don't have enough iron. Or you have a person who has low blood sugar, they become very confused because they don't have enough glucose going to the brain, you know. And so, but there is a big difference between that of cellular hunger, like what our bodies really need to survive, and that of stomach hunger. Stomach hunger is what we often fall victim to, thinking we need to eat. And that is just a sense of we got this rumbling and growling in our tummy. <laughs> we may even have some hunger pains, right? And uh, But that is just the mere that uh, absence. It's just the mere absence of food in the stomach. So the stomach is just sensing that there is no food there. And uh, this is really that we can train the stomach to to not have these hunger pains and go through this process of, you know, rumbling and tumbling, the more that we make IF a consistent practice, actually, right? And, um, and so but it doesn't necessarily mean just because we have these hunger pains or absence of food, you know, or the sounds of growling and rumbling that we actually need to eat, you know, because we, again, there's a difference between being hungry at the cell level. And so it's very important that you get, you know, in tune with your own body and its signals and the signs that it gives you right. And uh, but again, our bodies have been naturally designed to go without food, it can survive, we've just been conditioned to think that we always have to eat, right. But I think that when we begin to become more in tune with our body and our mind and our spirit intuitively, then we find that our body, therefore, is going to crave the things that it really physiologically needs. And naturally, it's going to crave those things that are healthy, such as whole foods and nuts and green leafy vegetables and healthy fats, you know, things that have a low glycemic um, you know, index such as avocados, um, you know, grass fed butter and nuts, unprocessed carbs, right? And um, so these are also very important to give us that feeling of fullness or satiety, you know, to hold us over so we don't fall victim to to binge eating and so we can keep up our energy. And, um, and so these type of foods really like healthy nutrient, dense foods, whole foods, quality proteins, organic meats, you know, healthy fats, green leafy vegetables, and so on. These type of foods really help us to sustain energy healthy. And so we don't get hangry during our period of fasting, right? And these foods also are fat burners. And so they help us to lose weight. 
And um, But they also do help us sleep better and age more gracefully, and we can have clearer cognition. So all of these healthy, you know, nutrient-dense foods are what we should be eating when we do come off our fast. And therefore, we are able to sustain and not have, you know, fall victim to, to feeling hungry or low on energy, right? So, but if we are, on the other hand, if we're craving for things that are not healthy, or these, if your cravings are for things that are not healthy, such as, you know, um, let's see, processed carbs, right? Um, or bread or pastas or cakes or sugar or alcohol. Like these are the first go-tos, <laughs> especially when we become hungry, right? After fasting. But these are usually often because this is just habitual hunger, right? Or it could be because we're, we have some type of emotional hunger, right? So we long, long have known that we use food in terms of coping or comfort especially when we're stressed, right? And um, or there could be some unmet emotional need while we turn to food as coping, or we may have this unhealthy reliance on food and overeating. We could just merely become addicted to food just because it tastes good. And we just like certain be- uh, flavors, or we can become addicted to food because we appreciate how it looks, right? The beauty of it. <laughs> we can even become addicted to food and have like our salivary glands start, you know, becoming more active just by hearing food being cooked, simmering, frying, right? And uh, so it can take you back to childhood, right? Mom and or grandma cooking in the kitchen, you know, and so all of these are just really a part of habitual and or emotional types of, of hunger. And um, so the point that I want to make here is that so we can have all of this like emotional and habitual hunger, but really what it's going to do is that it's going to offset all the good that we're doing with our fasting, right? And um, so, you know, and a lot of these foods are just sugar burners are not fat burners, right? And um, instead, what happens is like with unhealthy carbs and so forth, then this is going to create where we have higher levels of insulin now. And then we're back at square one where we're overtaxing our pancreas and our digestive system. And then we're low on energy, we feel hungry all the time, we feel hangry, we struggle more with weight loss, and so on. So very important that you do engage in healthy eating when you are fasting or when you come off of your fast. And so a lot of questions that I get is, how do I start? And so you want to always just kind of start low and then go high, right? But always, again, do what's best for you. You know, consult with your healthcare provider before you change your diet, you know, because we're all different chemically, biologically, right? As I mentioned before, and our digestive systems are, are different. And um, quite frankly, there are just some individuals who do not need to intermittent fast. And I'm going to talk about that here shortly. And um, but I think that most people, they kind of just give up before they actually see benefits. And so like with any type of, you know, practice, you you have to really give it time to become a habit. And I would really suggest giving it a good solid month before you change up, you know, anything with intermittent fasting, whether that just be the time period of your fasting, you know, try to stick with that for at least a month if you can, so it can become habit and that your body can become accustomed to it and your digestive system can, um, you know, become accustomed to it. And I also want to say that it can take weeks before you actually, you know, actually see results. So some people just go into it with, you know, this mindset that I just want a quick fix. I want to lose weight quickly. And perhaps you might. But again, we want to sustain this. And so we really want to give it about a good couple months before we actually see results. 
And so during this time, it may be good to invest in that of support from loved ones, friends, or even a coach to work through this process with you, right? So it can't be just something that you start one day and just stop the next. It really should be something that you consistently make a lifestyle habit, just making small steps at a time, right? And then also, again, combining that with healthy foods and getting adequate movement and exercise, controlling your stress, staying well hydrated. These things are also very important. And so, but I want to talk about with my experience. And so, you know, you really have to see what's going to work for you. And there may be some adjustments that need to take place in between that time. And so, as I mentioned earlier, the 16-8 eating pattern that's very common and typical, this is not a one-size-fits-all approach, and it did not work for me. And um, and so I initially tried the 16-8, and then I found that I you know needed to do a 12-12. to 12. And, um, and then I slowly increased my fasting time by one hour over time, and so just to give my body enough time to adjust. And so now I do a 14-10, very simply. And so again, this can be done, intermittent fasting, you can start just by extending that fast a little longer um, before you eat the next day. So I eat my dinner early in the day. So what I do is I eat my dinner before 6 p.m. I fast 14 hours at night. I don't eat. I don't snack. I just drink fluids, water, and um, during this time. And so I wake up and eat breakfast at 8 a.m., most mornings. And so this is a 14 hour fast, right, with a 10 hour uh, window, and where I had the flexibility to eat. So I do eat lunch, um, usually between 1230 and two. And, um, and then I eat dinner at six o'clock. So the cycle continues, right. And um, so there's a lot of cultures, especially yoga cultures that their last meal is before 6pm, and they don't eat again until the morning. So, you know, some people fast for 12, 14, 16, 24 hours. Some skip breakfast, which I'm not for, you know, but some people fast all day and um, they may fast or they may eat breakfast at 6 a.m. They may skip lunch and do dinner at 6 p.m. So there's so much variability with intermittent fasting. Again, you have to find what's best for you. and uh, But just become more aware of how many hours that you maybe just start off with, like how many hours between your dinner and your breakfast is there. Calculate those hours and then just see if you can begin extending your fast time at night, you know, by taking your last time in earlier in the evening, you know, perhaps maybe six o'clock like I do. Right. And um, you can also start off with 12 hour fasting periods if you can. Even you may have to go less. Right. And then just increase your time by one hour a day until you maybe reach the recommended 16 hours. And um, so but what I did or what I found by just doing the 1410 and like really optimize my digestion. And so I really have better quality sleep. I didn't really do it for the purpose of weight loss. And um, because I'm already pretty close to my healthy weight, but I did it more for spiritual reasons and respective to that of my meditation practice, my yoga practice and, and fasting. So it really gave me this sense of soul cleansing or removing a lot of toxic energy because food is energy. And, um, and so in this way, I just felt more of a sense of lightness, right? And I just wasn't, I didn't feel as weighted down with food. And so I was, I felt lighter in my spirit and I had more energy. I had more awareness. I had more clarity and through it made my meditation practice better. I felt like I can hear the spirit and really tap into what God was speaking to me clearly, you know? And so I feel like, you know, this has really been a practice. IF has really helped me feel more empowered in my own spiritual journey, right? So there are many benefits for the mind, the body, and the spirit, as I mentioned. So let me go ahead and just kind of summarize some of that 
which I've already kind of talked about. And so in terms of, of the body, so we know that from research, intermittent fasting can help with weight loss and fat loss. It decreases the, the amount of fat that we have around our abdomen and um, our major organs. It's um, it's going to help reduce insulin levels, right? And it also helps reduce that of taxing our pancreas and our digestive system. When insulin levels are low, then this is going to reduce fat storage, right? And so it helps with lean muscle ma- mass, um, and it's going to, to also what it does is it strengthens our immune responses. So a lot of people have been doing a lot of research on IF for the purpose of this, you know, coronavirus, right? So it has been shown that it does strengthen our immune system. And because basically what happens again at the cell level, we're moving out the bad and moving in the end and the good. So it's like spring cleaning of toxicity, you know, from a lot of toxins that come into our body. And, um, but it also can help lower blood sugar levels. Um, it can also help lower blood pressure. It can also improve cholesterol levels. And just overall, it allows us to, you know, maintain this balance with our glucose, right? And um, there's also been some studies that uh, intermittent fasting can reduce cancer, heart disease and Alzheimer's as well. So in terms of our mental health, it helps to protect um, ones against Alzheimer's disease based on research, it can improve our memory and cognition, It can improve our mood and reduce depression, and it can also limit cravings and improve body image. In terms of the spirit, as I mentioned, it can cleanse the soul. It can spark new desires for one's spirituality. It can support that of hearing the spirit more clearly or having a deeper praise or prayer. And um, it can empower one just to have a new sense of direction and satisfaction and purpose with life. So now I want to just talk about quickly before we end, who is intermittent fasting for and who it is not for. And um, so if you are a brittle diabetic or you've had issues with hypoglycemia, low blood sugars, if you are on diabetic medications such as insulin or any other oral forms of diabetic medications, then you should not fast. And <clears throat> even children and adolescents, because of their lower body weight, um, that may be contraindicated as well. The very old, um, actually pregnant women should not fast. And that is because you're not only, you know, caring for you, you're also caring for a little one. And they're, you know, with pregnancy, your body already has an increased metabolic demand. Um, breastfeeding, women who are breastfeeding should not fast. And if you have chronic heart, kidney issues, any history of anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, if you already have a low body mass index, you should not fast. If your body's already taxed with some type of recent hospitalization from an infection or disease process, you should not fast either. Now, certain medications, um, especially if you have to take medications regularly with food intake, like blood pressure medications, um, diuretics, or fluid pills, like, um, as I mentioned, diabetic medication or insulin, these medications can lead to a potentially very fatal low blood pressure or low blood sugar, and can also cause electrolyte imbalances and kidney damage, right? And so you have to be very cautious and really consult with your, again, your physician. And, but there are many clients who even do have, you know, these conditions, who want to do intermittent fasting, but you should never do it without consulting your uh, a qualified physician or your healthcare professional with uh, who can really make sure that you have a clear cut, complete nutritional plan <laughs> before you um, engage in intermittent fasting. 
So to conclude, with anything, start low and then increase your time. Again, you can start with a 12-hour fast or even something, you know, less and increase your time by one hour a day or every other day or whatever works for you until you reach the recommended 16 hours. Make sure that you always, always hydrate yourself. And make sure you just give it time to see if it's going to really work for you. And again, it usually takes about 30 days to really make a solid habit. And, um, you know, it can take a couple months before you actually see any really full benefits from intermittent fasting. And, um, and, and with anything, you know, making good habits, sometimes we just need, you know, the support of an accountability partner, you know, a coach or just a friend or a loved one to share in this with you. And again, always, always, always discuss with your healthcare provider or your physician before you change anything with your eating habits, your patterns or your diet. Thank you for tuning in to the Women Living Healthy podcast, where the purpose is to empower and inspire women along her self-care journey, her spiritual path, and her wellness transformations. Join us every Thursday. And if this was your first time tuning in, please click follow so you don't miss out on one of our exciting episodes. And also, please leave a review. We appreciate your feedback. And we look forward to connecting to you next time. Take care.